Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi all, welcome back to Welfare, the running podcast for all runners that's hosted by me, Amy Lane. It doesn't matter how far you go or how fast you are, this is your place to learn about how to make your journey that bit more enjoyable and that bit less confusing. Before getting into today's show, I want to acknowledge that this episode follows on from discussions about eating disorders and a personal experience of having a negative relationship with food and running. If you've listened to the shows, you'll know that these illnesses and behaviours are complex, they're serious, they're mental illnesses, and they're more common than you might think. It's crucial that we understand these topics and know where to seek advice from if we find ourselves or someone close to us suffering. It's why today I'm going to talk about another sensitive topic, and that's how to lose weight through running. As a health editor, my daily grind is spent sorting facts from fiction with studies and experts. And this podcast is really no different. So when many of you asked for a show on weight loss, I knew it needed to be recorded, especially as many of the requests were about achieving results as fast as possible. Sadly, the internet and social media is flooded with ill-informed advice on weight loss and countless hashtag spawn posts being peddled by high-profile figures claiming to have lost pounds by following a certain brand of diet don't help either. It's all too easy for us to consume this information without realising or go to the first Google result when feeling desperate for advice. One major problem with doing this is that these sources don't talk about the fact that there are more factors at play than just calories in and calories out. Many also don't recognise that health isn't a one-size-fits-all issue. And most dangerous of them all is that they plug quick fixes and fads for their own benefit. It's why I believe all content creators need to be having better, more informed conversations about weight loss so we can help people live healthier lives, not just improve their before and after pictures on social media. We need to remember that weight has no impact on our value as humans, but for some of us, losing excess weight could impact and ultimately improve our health. And so, in my mind, Improving our health through running is where we should put our energy. That's why today I asked strength coach and Nike master trainer Jocelyn Thompson Rule to come onto the show to talk about how running can contribute to a healthy weight loss, but also why you shouldn't just be running alone if you want to see, and more importantly, feel change. Her holistic approach to training women has made her the go-to for those on a fitness journey, but also she's the coach of coaches as experts go to her when they're looking to learn. So keep listening to today's show for the tools and advice that will support your running journey in the long run. But first, let's get that news you can use. If you're forever struggling to get out of bed when your 7am alarm goes off, then it's time to switch up your alarm clock. 
Rather than set the foghorn on your iPhone, choose a more melodic sound instead. In a study, participants who woke up to a more tuneful sound reported feeling less groggy and more alert. Honestly, it's worth giving it a go. I switched over to a different alarm clock from my phone alarm a few years ago, and it's made all the difference. And now on to this week's shout out, which goes to the nurse that runs on Instagram. Despite working 12 and a half hour shifts, she's still finding the time to clock some miles and sharing her sweaty selfies when she does it. When I searched the welfare hashtag and her post came up, it was just the motivation I needed to make sure I went out on a run the other day. So thanks so much for sharing your posts and long may they continue. Right then, let's get on with the meat of today's show. As mentioned, today I am chatting with Jocelyn Thompson-Rule, coach, trainer, and all-round excellent person. She's got more than 17 years experience in the fitness industry and also hosts her own podcast, Fitness Unfiltered. I met Joss many years ago and she's helped me out with so many things on my fitness journey. And the reason I really wanted to get her on today is because she's so passionate about training smarter, not harder. And I think that's really important when we broach the really big topic of weight loss. Today, we're going to talk about how to achieve better progress from a process that is more enjoyable and how to safeguard both your mental and physical health along the way. So it's time to talk about creating healthy change with Joss. Hey, Joss. Hi, Amy. I can't believe, wow, we're recording this at the moment, but when it goes out, we will almost have done about 12 weeks of lockdown. It's kind of 10 weeks of lockdown right now. I mean, it just seems mad. It is, isn't it? It's just this bubble that just is random and continues to be random. (laughs) (laughs) I think one of the few wins that has come out of lockdown is the conversation around health and fitness and that actually Mm. more people seem to be engaging with it because either they've got more time on their hands or potentially they're just more aware of the fact that they're not moving as much Mm. and obviously running is is one of the few activities which people have been able to freely do so when I was putting together my topics of what to cover in this season I, I put it out to the welfare community and I said what would you like me to cover and one of the big requests I got was how can I lose weight with my running and what's the best way to do it and as a coach, you, you must get asked that question all the time. Yeah, yeah, I do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so there's never kind of one thing that that fixes anything. But in terms of losing weight with running, so running is fine. And running is definitely something that can contribute to losing weight if it's something that certainly in the beginning isn't overdone because sometimes you can get into this thing of, right, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to run. I can just put on my shoes and go out the door and run. And I'm just going to go and go and go. And usually if you're not in check with your body in terms of injuries, in terms of, you know, mobility, are there any areas that you're kind of a little bit tighter in that over time, if you keep on pushing, are going to become real weak points and can eventually result in injury. So, Running definitely can be something that contributes to weight loss, but there are some things that you need to to think about first. A, not doing too much of it. 
be adding it into other pieces that will add to the bigger picture. So yes, there are some people that are like, yeah, running totally did it for me. Other people have to build into that. So, you know, simple programs like what's it called? Couch to 5k, for example, are really good progressive programs to get yourself into running. Is it the only thing that will contribute to weight loss? No, because as you know, with me, I believe in strength training as well. Mm -hmm. That's going to allow you to run stronger for longer. And also, like I said before, that mobility piece. So making sure that your body is in a healthy state to, to undertake what is a repetitive movement for whatever period of time that you're, that you're doing it in. So it can contribute, but it's, it's, it's one part of the bigger picture. One of the things that I think is tricky to get right at the moment is either wanting to lose weight or not wanting to lose weight. So we're in an obesity epidemic where two thirds of our population are currently classed as overweight or obese. But then Mm -hmm. at the same time, we also have the body positive like groundswell, which is going on, which is almost shaming women who do want to lose weight. And a lot of those women could benefit from doing it because of the health benefits. As a coach to coaches, how Mm. do you educate others to talk about change in a healthy way? Because I think it is such a hard one to navigate in the current world. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Look, you know, we are in an obesity you know, epidemic where, yes, you know, for health reasons, people may be carrying too much body fat tissue and it will affect their health over the long term. And I look, I, I think that you should feel good about yourself no matter where you're at. But the reality is that somebody might look in the mirror and they might not like what they see. And that's okay. Number one, that is, it's okay. You don't have to fall in love with yourself and just tell yourself, oh, I love myself. I love it. When, when actually that's not what you're feeling. And so it's kind of like we, we've got two ends of the spectrum and it's trying to meet somewhere in the middle to go, actually, do you know what? I um, maybe want to lose whatever. And I feel okay about that. And I feel supported in that by my coach or by my friends or whoever to go on that journey. And that's okay. I think it's, it's you know, as a coach, you know, the reality is also most people that are going to go to coaches are going to want to lose weight. It's Mm. super common. I work with a lot of coaches and most of them who have clients that come to them from the general population, their goal is to lose weight. And so I think it's kind of finding out that why of why they want to lose weight. And one of the things that I love, there's a guy, um, John Berardi, he's got a company called Precision Nutrition. So a lot of coaches you'll see on their um, Instagram profiles that they've got PN1 certification or PN1 certified, and they're all precision nutrition coaches. And he's this amazing guy. And one of the things that he looks at in terms of breaking down the true reason of why somebody wants to you know, lose weight or drop a dress size or whatever. He calls it the five whys. And so you would get somebody come in, say you came in, Amy, and you said, okay, Jocelyn, I want to lose five kilos. And I would say, okay, cool. Why do you want to lose five kilos? And then you might say, because then I'm going to fit into my jeans. And then I would say, well, why do you want to fit into your jeans? And then the next thing you say, well, because I feel frustrated and I don't feel good about myself when I can't fit into the jeans that I that I used to 
fit into. So then you say, why do you feel like you don't feel good about yourself? Because you can't fit into the jeans that you used to fit into. And then they'll say, you know, because I felt so confident when I, when I fit into those jeans. And then you say, well, why do you want to feel confident? And it's like, well, because when I feel that way, I perform better in work. I, I, I feel more relaxed with my friends, you know, and you kind of get get the, the nitty gritty down to exactly why they want to lose weight as opposed to, you know, yeah, I just want to like saying I want to lose five kilos or whatever it is, just it doesn't have any weight behind it. But if, if losing five kilos means you're going to have more energy to run around with your kids or you're going to feel that you could just get out the door and feel good about yourself and ready to take on the day, then that's much more of a compelling reason to then pursue the the training, the the looking after your food, if that's something you're doing. When you were just talking about those numbers, it just made me think, I mean, I obviously do a lot of research into what people are Googling a lot of the time to see to see what content people want and what they need. And you're so right. People people just Google mm. these arbitrary numbers to do with to do with weight loss. So they Google how to lose mm. two pounds a week or how to lose three kilos. And mm. I would bet on the fact that actually they don't know why they want to lose two kilos. No. It's it's just a number. Mm. And the, and because because it's hanging on some random number, the real reason that they want to make that change just it isn't even there. And it's it, I guess it's this whole idea of, you know, in that process, who do I need to become to do that? So if you if you decide that you're going to do three sessions a week or whatever to as part of that weight loss journey, then it's like, what does a person who trains three times a week, what do they do? Are they focused on getting their kit ready the night before? Are they, you know, scheduling that time into their diet? Like, what are the actions that they do that will lead to the habits that, when done over time, will actually result in that goal? So it's it's a huge change. It's not enough for the program and the the diet and the it, it's it's finding out all of those little pieces that again come back together to move into the bigger picture of the actual change taking place. Can we talk about those little pieces? Because you do have such a holistic take on achieving results. And I know that because when um, you've done a program for me before and I I came back to you and I was like, I'm not seeing results, blah, 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 blah. And you were like, talk to me about how you ate dinner last night and talk to me about your day. And you really made me... Um, stop and evaluate all of these other things that were going on in my life that were you know probably bigger having a bigger impact on this change that I was trying to create than what that mm. one workout could have so can we mm. talk about like starting on a fitness journey what what are the important focuses of any kind of training plan yeah well I've kind of I've kind of I guess gone deeper into that over the years as well and probably a lot around you know mindset as well and just just the way that we talk to ourselves like the you know the language that we we use to ourselves is is often not even how we would speak to other people and i think the first piece is to actually be aware of how you're talking to yourself i think it's something like i mean it's in the thousands that we have these thoughts in their head and you know 80% of our thoughts, I was working, I was did a, a podcast with a um, performance coach. She was saying that 80% of our thoughts are negative. So even if you've got all the right things in place, 
you've still got this voice in the back of your head harping on, (laughs) giving you a hard time about, you know, why are you even bothering to do this? So first of all, I will always talk about that self-awareness piece and just catch those thoughts and have a reframe for them then it is it's it's almost like the exercise and 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 the food but they're almost like at the top of the pyramid so I, w- I would start kind of with it with the self-talk um first and just just an awareness around that and that's hard that's really hard to do then it's looking at all of the pieces you know I'm a bit of a recovery obsessed person um, yes we're definitely <laughs> going to talk about that <laughs> So then it's like, right, well, let's remember that exercise is a stress. So, you know, what do we need to put in place in order for it not to be too much for your body? So I always have this idea of, you know, you've got to recover harder than you train. Now for, you know, professional athlete, they've got a ton of people working around them to to sort them out. For your everyday person that wants to train two, three times a week, that recovery piece is just our basic needs. So getting enough sleep, seven to nine hours of sleep a night, like sleep, thank God, is now becoming way more appreciated in terms of what it does for us mentally, for our longevity, all of those things. And anyone who says, oh no, I'm cool on four or five hours a night. I'm always like, Babes, you just don't know what it feels like to sleep for seven or eight hours a night. You're living in freaking, not even denial because they don't know, but it's like, no, no, we need that sleep to function better. Everything is better when we have, when we have more sleep. So sleep is a big one. And, you know, we know all of the stuff, you know, no kind of blue light before bed, not eating too late before bed, sleeping in a cool room, all of that good stuff. So improving the quality of your sleep is a huge one. And you know what people are like, like they're like, no, give me the exercise. Let me go, go, go. And it's like, honey, you can't do that on six hours sleep and not thinking about how this actually impacts the rest of your day because this is it's got to be a full change it can't just be a partial thing because if it's if it's not integrated properly that's when it that's when it it will fall away after a week or two once the motivation dies out which I think happens a lot and then people wonder why they they aren't seeing results and actually if you are pretty truthful with yourself you'll look back and you'll go actually, I'm not seeing results because I didn't stick at it for long enough. <laughs> yeah. And that's, again, like it's, it's, it's hard or, or people might just go, oh yeah, that wasn't for me. That were, And it's kind of like, they didn't even get to the part where they, they tested out the program. It was, it was the, the bits beforehand that they didn't get right. And that's just a really important piece. And I, I don't think people know it enough. And I do feel like that's slowly changing but it's it's a tough one because when you have a motivated person sitting in front of you saying, I'm going to go for it, you kind of have to, you know, lay out what going for it really means. And it's not it's not the exercise piece. It's, the, it's all of those bits beforehand. And so for the people that have got all of those bits, at least they've they've thought about them. Um, yeah. So they might not have got them all in place, but they've definitely they've definitely thought about them and they're working on them. When it mm. comes to the exercise piece, one of the things which I really wanted to talk to you about was actually what should a fitness journey look like if you're trying to create healthy change? Because I think a lot of runners try and go on this weight loss journey and they will just run and run and run and run um, Mm. until they either become unmotivated 
or they get injured and then actually they don't really achieve the change they want to. So ideally, what would a a runner's week look like if they were trying to change their uh, body fat percentage? Um, Something like, I would say, maybe two-ish runs a week, two-ish strength sessions, and then two-ish mobility forward slash active recovery sessions and to to kind of break that down the mobility piece is a bit of a check-in with yourself so you can sort of think of mobility as your check-in with your body and that and that's an ongoing thing so everything might feel great until you're doing whatever mobility exercises in three, four months time and you do something, you're like, oh God, that feels a bit tight. That feels a bit, and it's just a check-in. It gives you information about how how you're getting on with your body. What it also then does is it gives you access to your strength. So if you have got limited range of movement, you are only going to be able to get strong in the range of movement that you're able to train. So if you have trouble, you know, with your overhead mobility, you know, getting your arms overhead, or if you have limited ankle mobility that affects how you squat, for example, you're only going to be able to access the strength that your mobility allows. If you work on your mobility and you increase your range, therefore you are um, increasing your overall strength. Then when you add in the running, a stronger body is going to be able to run stronger for longer. So if I'm training somebody for the marathon, for example, they probably only do, and I know this might be controversial, but they probably only do about three runs a week. They will do two interval type sessions and they'll do one long run. Now I know lots of programs have more running in it and that's fine. And I know, I don't know that many have that much less than that for a marathon program, but I know that if they're working on their mobility, if if we're working through their strength and we're getting them stronger, that run is going to be so much better. Their body's ability to be able to do that, that repetitive movement over a long period of time, like a marathon or a half marathon is just going to be way better. So they all tie into one another. So a kind of generic program, I would sort of say, you know, one to two runs a week more if it's for a longer distance, one to two strength sessions and one to two mobility sessions. And then of course, an absolute rest day. And that's across the board for everybody in terms of their health and their and their wellness. If somebody is then, like I say, doing 10Ks or half marathons or whatever, you might have a bit more focus on, you know, more running. As you may or may not know, I'm not usually a big dairy eater. But recently, I've been trying to improve my gut health by incorporating more fermented foods into my diet. One of this season's patrons for Welfare is Yo Valley, whose new kefir product is perfect for this. Lovingly made in Somerset, with all the goodness of organic British milk, it has 14 distinctive strains of lactic cultures for maximum gut flora diversity. Bit wordy, I know. But basically, it delivers billions of live, gut-friendly bacteria in every spoonful. At only £1.50 for a 350 gram pot, you can find it in all major supermarkets. Or you can find it for 75p in Sainsbury's and Co-op for a 150 gram pot. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Both you and I like I know from talking and having great conversations and learning from experts like yourself that that those mobility sessions and those strength sessions are what makes you able to go out and do the runs which if Mm. you are on this fitness journey that's you know that is what's going to help you see change Mm. however you know a strength session I think can be quite interesting and quite fun but a mobility Mm. session my god it takes a long time to get them I think and to actually feel excited by them and I think that Potentially, maybe that's be- because they are so slow and we're in a fast-paced world. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I hear there's definitely, you know, a client that I'm training at the moment and they are down for mobility. They are, just, And I'm just like, you know, this will feel a little bit slow at first, but I really just want you to get connected and know what's happening. And, and they're just like, no, nah, I love this. I'm finding out so much about my body and I'm like, you dream. Please, could you just like <laughs> shed that upon <laughs> everyone else but you know and I agree and so it's not a big ask to go one to two sessions of strength or indeed one to two sessions of conditioning one to two sessions of checking in mobility usually it's one and people are like can I not just skip that because I'm not sweating and I'm not really lifting any weight so and usually the people who adopt it the best are those who are probably coming back from injury and unfortunately have to learn the hard way. A lot of people who train really well and really balanced have had something happen where they're like, okay, I get it. I've got to slow this stuff down. Let me start again. Okay, let's build from scratch because their body's gone. No, we can't do that. So the mobility is less sexy, but it helps you to do the sexy stuff. If you just give it a chance, if you, you say you're going to, you're asking people to give it a chance. So what are the, if you got like three things, which you're like, guys, if you're listening into this and you're going to take something away, just try this, try this bad boy. So yeah, one would probably be like a, a deep lunge with, with a rotation or it's known as, it's commonly known as like a, the world's greatest stretch. So you would, you would take a deep lunge forward. So your back leg is fairly straight, but there's still a soft bend in the knee. Let's say if we take a step, big step forward with our right leg and then you would drop your, uh, so your left leg is stretched behind you and then you drop your right elbow onto the ground and not, not everyone can get to the ground, but that's cool. And then you would rotate that right hand up towards the ceiling Uh, Then you would take it back down, place it on the outside of that right foot. And then you would just push the hips back in the air. So you would kick into the hamstrings of that front leg and then bring yourself forward again. And then you would take that right leg back and you'd repeat the same thing on the left leg. And that that kind of hits so many different things. Like I, I get so many people to do that 
as a warm up before their before their lifting. The next one would be similar enough to that in that there would be a torso rotation. So you would be on all fours in like a quadruped position. Let's say I would take your right leg out to the side. So that's straight and the whole of your right foot is on the ground and your your left leg is still bent at 90 degrees. And from there, you would just rock yourself forwards and backwards. You'd feel like um, a stretch on through your inner thigh and also a little bit in your groin. So that's like a rock back position. And then what you can do is just to to add in that rotation piece. So you've got that right leg out to the side, then you would uh, pop your right hand by your right ear and then you would lower your elbow down to touch your left elbow and then raise it back up to rotate that elbow towards the ceiling so again you're kind of killing a few birds with one stone on that one and then what was my final piece I'm a bit of a fan of scorpions actually oh I know this (laughs) (laughs) some people don't like them but I'm a bit of a fan of those um so you would lie down on your front hands out to the side and then you would, let's say, we'll do all right leg here today. And um, so you would take your um, right leg and you would take it behind you in an arc. So leading with your heel rather than your toe, leading with your heel, you would try and reach in an arc your left elbows. You're kind of twisting yourself. Again, what you can do is uh, whilst you're in that position, just bring your right arm up towards the ceiling and you can get a bit of a chest stretch in there as well. So again, killing a million birds with one stone. Then you take that hand back down, take that leg back down beside uh, the left foot and then hook the left leg behind again, leading with the heel rather than the toe. And then same thing, moving into that kind of twisted rotation and you can take that left arm up for a bit of a, a pec stretch as well whilst you're at it so they're they're my kill all the birds with one stone mobility pieces nice I hope everyone does them and then tags us in them doing it yeah, do, do. so we've spoken a bit about finding that why and not attributing your weight loss to an arbitrary number and a bit about what a program looks like mm-hmm. but how do you as a coach and as a coach to coaches get women to feel confident from that first session in their fitness journeys because I think sometimes we can put so much pressure on ourselves from the first session or the first week of a plan that actually we suck all the enjoyment out of it and it becomes something which we maybe fear or it feels a bit overwhelming. Mm, mm. First of all it's getting down to the the real reason why they why they have whatever you know, goal it is. I think usually when I'm asking them all of the questions that I ask, I think sometimes I can be quite surprised by, you know, what I'm asking. They, they, they don't, I think they might just think, you know, I want to know like how much they want to train and um, how long they, they, they want to train for. But I really want to get the full picture of their life, their stresses, their everything as much as I can do and within their comfort levels. So I'm able to build that picture around the program because again it's like well you know this is happening here and this is happening here and I'm not, I'm not I'm not worried about this but this is what's happening here and this is something that we can we can look at and look into more and they then start to go oh yeah that might be because of this or oh yeah actually do you know what a few years ago I did um have trouble with that left shoulder and da da da, da. and so all of a sudden they've moved away from this goal that they have that they walked in with to this is where I am now this is what's happening with my body now. And this is the point from which I'm going to move forward. 
And so it kind of grounds them in, right, this is the start of the journey and this is how we're going to move. Um, and I also let them know that, you know, certainly in the beginning, it's going to be a, a little bit of trial and error. And that's going to be a two-way thing. How are you doing with it? How does it feel? Okay, cool. Let's tweak this. Let's change that. Let's keep that the same because that's that's great. And also progress looks very different for different people. For somebody, it might be, do you know what? That movement just felt better this week. We may not have changed the numbers. We may not have changed any anything that we could, you know, kind of grasp onto. It might just might just be, do you know what? That, I, that felt a bit wobbly last week. And actually this week I'm feeling better. That's progress. You know, that's a, that's a huge change because all of those little pieces over time, they really, again, build solid, solid foundations. And then the final piece, I think, is letting them know that, and this is something I often mention in the first session, that those who they think may support them may not. And sorry, final piece, you know, if they if they have a tough week and they can't stick to the program, it's like, that's cool. You know, let's not try and squeeze in everything we missed last week into next week. Let's not do that. Let's just look at why were we, why were we not able to do that this week? What happened that made the program or the early night or whatever not doable? Let's address that and let's add that into next week so we can we can create you know what we're looking for for next week and so it's as much supporting them in the good times and readjusting for when it doesn't happen as we had planned um to get them kind of back on track because that's natural no one has this like super linear you know head for that north star with no freaking falters along the way like that just doesn't happen for anyone so it's it's kind of prepping them for for all of those little pieces I was going to ask you about do you think we can love our bodies and still want to change them but I think you've just answered that in that question that we can as long mm. as what we're doing we're doing with an awareness and kindness to ourselves so yeah. that if we make sure that we still recognize that you know all the other stresses in our life and make sure that we're not piling, piling more on, then mm. potentially, you know, it, we can't, we can make change with kindness, but you've just got to have an awareness. Yeah. Yeah. And like change is hard. It's, it's not easy um, at all. Like, you know, I've, I've said like all of the things that you have to think about in order for that to, to happen, you know, we in the morning we brush our hair and we put on clothes that we like because we want to look nice <laughs> like you know if you feel like you want to change something about yourself that's okay that's totally fine there is nothing wrong with that there are so many different layers to that and there are people who are way more qualified than me to to deal with that but if somebody comes in and they want to make some physical change with their body i'm like that's cool we still need to look at all of those pieces that are going to make that happen. And I want you to feel as good about that along that journey as you can. But it's, yeah, you can absolutely love yourself and want to change parts of you. Like, and I think we put quite a weight on the people wanting to change the physical side. But if you want some kind of self-improvement, that's okay. Whether it's physical, whether it's in your learning, that's all right. You want to, as long as you want to do better for yourself, that's fine. And it should be supported. 
I've got a couple of listener questions for you that people have sent in. And I'm actually really glad that they've sent them in because you are such a measured voice on this topic. Somebody's asked me about the fact that they get really stressed when they reach a plateau and they're not seeing results anymore. And how can they ensure that they're still progressing with their fitness and running routine to see results? Is there anything which you would immediately say to somebody like if when they say to you, I'm not seeing results anymore, is there almost like a checklist that you would go through with them as a coach? One thing that I do is get people to track as much as they can within reason without that becoming obsessive. If you've got a bit of a record of your lifestyle and all that kind of stuff over whatever period of time, you can look back over and go, oh, actually, yeah, do you know what? I forgot about that, but actually that does make sense. So I generally get people to track their sleep. And I used to be really like, eh, I hate sleep apps. Why would you have a phone under your head? (laughs) I go on and on and on. But now I'm like, you know what, Joss, people can do whatever they want. (laughs) They can track it however they want. How about you pipe down? (laughs) So tracking your sleep, whichever way you want to do. And then also food tracking. I know that that can be um, tricky. I think if there is something to track that can be tricky for people if they have a bad um, relationship with food or whatever it is, then instead of actually writing down what they've eaten or, or anything like that, I would just get them to give themselves a mark out of 10. So it's just kind of like, okay, move on. We're not spending too much time there. I got a seven out of 10 for my food today and that's cool. Moving on to the next thing. So then also their training as well. You know, they can track their numbers. I'm happy for people to track their numbers in their training and it's, it's not a problem. What else? Their stress levels, their cycle. And um, there's so many things to track. Um, and I'm not suggesting either to start tracking everything straight away. But it's just like, do you know what? If there's an area that you think that, you know, you could improve on, let's say that could be sleep for people, start tracking your sleep. And it's just creating awareness, which then helps you to make that change. So that that would be the the big thing I would say. We would just be be tracking stuff. So somebody else has asked, what's your opinion on tracking a fat loss journey? What is the best way to do it? The healthiest way that you can track your progress? That is a really good question. Are you somebody who still believes that for certain individuals, it's good to track your body fat percentage? Or are you somebody who veers more towards it's on taking photos and just how your clothes look? Yeah, I would generally say, and I know, you know, there are, there are, you know, say certain athletes or whatever who have to make weight for competitions or whatever. I would, what I generally have done is use, if people want to track, like use kind of waist measurements and hip measurements and all that kind of stuff. And also how your clothes feel. I think the scales can be great for some people, an absolute nightmare for others. Everything that you track can be either 
positive for somebody or cause anxiety as well. I, I know a lot of people who are like, I just don't weigh myself because they've had a, a history of weighing themselves all the time. And it just feeds into this negative relationship that they have with the, the scales and their bodies and what they think of themselves and all that stuff. So for some people it works, for some people it doesn't. Usually if somebody comes to me and they, they do have a weight loss goal and they're like, you know, what, I'm going to, I'm going to weigh myself. Then I might say, cool, let's do that. You know, once a a week, you know, people wouldn't weigh themselves once a month. It's just too long in between. So I think kind of once a week is is fine. And again, what you can then do is you, you can track that over a period of time. So I had one client and she would lose like literally it was it was to the T each week. It was something like half a pound, half a pound, half a pound, three quarters of a pound half, 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 three quarters. Half. And we could just literally be like, oh, this is your three quarter week. You know what I mean? It was just to the T. It was mad. It was cool, actually. So um, yeah, it's kind of what people are comfortable with doing. And as a coach, you get a sense for what healthy measurement looks like. So if someone's like, yeah, I want to weigh myself every day, I'm going to say, I don't want you to weigh yourself every day. I'd like you to weigh yourself, you know, once a week, or let's have a look at, let's have a look at some, you know, measurements instead. So sometimes it is really useful, but it's tricky. You've got to know who you're working with. Yeah, it's, we need more people like you explaining that it's not a one size fits all Mm. approach. One of the things though that does always come up is, types of runs and so and I think people want this one type of run is going to be the best run for fat burn so I always get asked is interval training with running better than endurance training if you're trying to increase your calorie burn do you have any thoughts on that so I think if you're starting out you need to build yourself a base and that base needs to be built doing long slow work what that will do without getting too sciencey or anything like that is it will increase your body's ability to be able to recover from your interval training when you do start interval training so to jump straight from taking up running to then go into interval training straight away you're sort of shortchanging yourself a little and um, so there's huge benefit for any runner to do a longer slower distance run eventually for sort of anything from 30 to 90 minutes now that's obviously dependent but the you know that the minimum would be about 30 minutes once you've got that base you could build that up over let's say four-ish to eight-ish weeks, then when you start your interval training, your capacity for recovery, which is a thing that really allows your body to train more, then you can really utilize the interval stuff. And that can look like lots of different things. That could be an absolute killer would be, you know, six lots of 400 meter sprints on the track absolute hell with a 200 meter recovery jog stroke walk stroke crawl and dribble in between (laughs) or it could be a 30 second hill sprint with a one or two minute recovery and the, the idea being that you need to be 
sprinting so damn hard um, that you need that time to recover, to be able to go again at the same intensity. And it's like, you know, if you watch any kind of track and field athletes, you know, 100 meter sprinters are blowing hard long after that in a flash sprint is done because they have maxed out. So I would say to answer your question, because it's so hard to be specific about this, everybody needs to build a base. And then once they've built that base, then they can add some intervals in, but do not forego at least one longer, slower session for all of the short, sharp stuff, because you will get a better comprehensive training package. That's completely the wrong word, but I'm going to say it anyway, um, if you combine those two. Does that answer your question? That does answer my question. Oh, Joss, I could sit here and ask you questions all night because just in this world of misguided and misleading information, it is so great to talk to such a measured person and somebody who has such a well-rounded view when it comes to to making change and fitness journeys. So thank you so much for giving up your time to come on and chat. Oh, you are so welcome, my darling. You know, any time for you, my lovely Amy. (laughs) And guys, honestly, if you haven't had the pleasure of meeting Joss, obviously you can't all turn up at her house right now. That's not allowed, but you can follow her on Instagram. She's at Jocelyn Thompson Rule, and she is obviously the host of her own podcast, Fitness Unfiltered. For anybody who is looking for a training guide, you can also get hold of her ebook which is about chasing pull-ups so if that is one of your goals head over there and download it joss thank you so much oh you are so welcome my darling give that gorgeous bump a rub (laughs) that the the bump is definitely a big bump now (laughs) i love it the bigger the better what a season over the past 10 weeks we've talked about sports bras shin splints treadmill marathons and how the pros deal with bumps in the road we've welcomed listeners from hong kong and new zealand and we flooded instagram with pictures of our sweaty selfies and lockdown miles some of us have even run virtual races while others have found their feet off-road and offline I'm sure you'll agree, 2020 is a year that won't be forgotten. And from my side, a lot of that is because of you guys. So thank you for subscribing. Thank you for reviewing on your podcast platform. And thank you for being part of the crew and sticking with the show during lockdown. I'll be back as soon as I can with a new season. But before then, I'd love to know if you guys have guest suggestions or topics you'd like covered All you need to do is just pop them in the review section. And whilst I'm off planning season four, I'll be checking in regularly to see what you'd like. I know many of you are loving the run chats. And so it would be so useful to know if you'd like more of these or if you still prefer the experts doing a deep dive into running topics. Right, I'm going to go and get on with season four. Until then, keep going well far as you've got this. (laughs) 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 